Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gol, 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 del Pichichi, gol, 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 de Tati, gol, de Castellanos, gol, de Tati Castellanos, díganlo conmigo otra vez, Tati Castellanos, díganlo conmigo dos veces, Tati Castellanos, díganlo conmigo tres veces, Tati Castellanos, pues díganlo conmigo cuatro veces, gol, 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 y gol, de Tati Castellanos. Welcome to another episode of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's Matt Clark again here with Paco Pollitt. We've had a fantastic midweek round of fixtures, some incredible matches, goals everywhere, almost everywhere, some stunning scorelines, some individual performances that we will remember for a very long time. Paco, how are you? Uh, it's been a long week, but it's been a good one. Yes, definitely. I think that uh, whenever this time of the year comes around with uh, you know midweek games, as La Liga tends to rush towards its conclusion, most of the time the main uh, reason to be alarmed is maybe the form of the teams. You know, if they get to this point very very tired, with uh, not the best levels of stamina of endurance. But I think that most of the games this this week were you know pretty interesting with a couple of low points. And also uh, plenty of, you know, upsets, Real Madrid losing, Barca losing, Atletico doing their thing, Valencia with that clutch game in the 94th minute, Sevilla with yet another win under Mendilibar's tenure. So, yeah, it was a very, very interesting one. Not season-defining, maybe, well, for Kike Sanchez-Flores over at Getafe <laughs> because he got sacked, but... But yeah, it was it was pretty interesting, and you know the the wheel doesn't stop turning, and we have uh, in an immense way many many games coming up in the following weekend. Indeed, well, there's probably only one place to start. We could have started in a few, but I think we have to start <laughs> with the poker player that is Tati Castellanos. Four goals against Real Madrid, the first player to do that since Robert Lewandowski in 2013 in the Champions League, and the first player to do it in La Liga against Real Madrid since 1947. I mean, what a performance. Years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a performance from Tati. I mean, Paco, how impressive was he? And yeah, Militao will have to defend a lot better against Erling Haaland, won't he? Yeah, it wasn't really the best showcase of Real Madrid's uh, defensive prowess. But, uh, you know, when you have 
Valentin Mariano Castellanos in such an on-point mood. Yeah, it was unstoppable. You know, Tati Castellanos was just in that in that uh, zone that sometimes comes around for for sportsmen where he did everything well. You know, and actually, if you see the the overall stats with five shots on target for for Girona, four of them going in and four of them, you know, being scored by the same guy, uh, speaks volumes about just how accurate they were, how focused they were. What happens often is that Real Madrid are able to just turn it around in the second half with that push, which is already, you know, a trademark of them. But, yeah, their defending wasn't that great. Um, as you said, Militao didn't have really his best game. Rudiger wasn't really in his best day either. Nacho Carvajal, you know, the back four in Real Madrid. And also the midfield weren't able to really stop uh, Girona coming on their waves in the in the second half. And as you said, the main worry for Real Madrid isn't the, the actual defeat in this game because fighting for La Liga is a no-no. But at the end of the day, you have to look at what their main priority is. And both in Copa del Rey, in that Copa del Rey final against Osasuna, and also, obviously, in the Champions League semifinals against uh, Erin Braut Haaland and the rest of the Manchester City offense, this kind of looks uh, are those which really worry uh, Carlo Ancelotti. He wasn't really pleased, you know, in the post-press mm. conference after the game. He was chuckling and, you know, that kind of with his... Um, <laughs> eyebrow. I'm thinking about his eyebrow, you know, uh, like full speed work, working overtime, trying to fend off the questions of the journalists because really his Real Madrid... It wasn't the worst look of the season because they've had worse and they have lost big games also this year. Not really that they matter, but possibly it was mm, the game this year where Real Madrid seemed more defenseless. Mm. And it really is in the best moment, you know, to give that sort of image outwards when you have Real, uh, Manchester City waiting and you have Haaland, you know, uh, sharpening his, his tools in order to do his work uh, a couple of weeks from now. Indeed, yeah, they were without Thibaut Courtois and Karen Benzema in this game. It was Vinicius who was kind of a one-man attacking band. I don't want to dwell on this too much, Packer, but we do have to talk about him again. He got his ninth yellow card of the season. I know um, we were watching this on Tuesday and there was a bit of chat in the group about the way that he kind of is always the centre of everything that seems to happen, good or bad, in a game. Yeah. Yes, and I think that is one of the uh, you know main frustrations for for Ancelotti because he's trying to get him. We have spoken about this uh, in this show this season so far, trying to get him to focus just on the game and not everything surrounding it, not uh, you know everything uh, related to the opposition, to other players who really know how to uh, push his buttons and and get him to react in a certain way. And I think that as long as this player is able to just play football and forget about any, anything else, he will be a massive player. You like a world class. Uh, he's already might be already there if you ask many fans. But I think that he can be even better. And in this case, I think most of the mental task has to be performed by his manager. And I'm hundred percent, you know, sure that Ancelotti is trying to do his best in this issue. Yeah. 
But credit to Girona, the only side in La Liga history with a positive balance against Real Madrid. Fantastic result for Michel as well. He said he preferred Manchester City to get through. Well, he's just shown Pep a blueprint of how to do the job. As for Barca, they had the chance to go 14 points clear and uh, really just about completely sentenced the league title. But they failed to take advantage. They went to Vallecas and were beaten 2-1. And it was pretty convincing. The scoreline, if anything, flatters Barca. And since promotion, Rio have taken 10 points from 12 against yeah. the Catalans. And they've beaten both Spanish giants at Vallecas this season. The return of Mata Gigantes, Rio Vallecano. What a team. Yeah, I think Iraola really has his, you know, his work uh, in front of him, you know, settled in front of him whenever he faces Xavi. He seems to be that kind of manager who really defends and, and promotes a play style which doesn't really sit well with Xavi and what he wants, you know. And and, and looking at the stats and also the, the general impressions of, of the game, uh, I would say Rayo dominated the game. Yeah, Lewandowski cut it short at the end, you know, he got that late goal with 10 minutes to go. Barca were expected to make a, a, a push in the in the last minutes of the game, but I never really see saw um, the game in danger for Rayo because they looked really, really confident. Alvar scored in the first half. Later in the in the first couple of minutes of the second one, Frank Anthea make it a 2-0. Overall, the stats say that that Rayo were better than, than Barca, and you could see it, you know, overall in the playstyle, even though they didn't have the ball possession, but it really doesn't matter. If you really know what to do with the ball whenever you have it, if you have 50%, 40%, 35%, it doesn't matter. You, It really matters what you do when you do have the ball uh, at your feet. So, yeah, it was disappointing because I think Barca bottled it. They had the chance of, of finishing off the decision in a strong note. And ultimately, if you see in the last four games, they've only won one. You know, two yeah. stumbles, two draws. They won last week, uh, suffering 1-0 with that Ferran Torres goal. And once again, midweek, they lost against Rayo Vallecano. So not really uh, worrying because they were going to win La Liga regardless. But uh, it's not the same way. You know, you finish the season strongly if you try to get as close as possible to that 100-point mark. It would have been, you know, quite a statement by Xavi's men, but ultimately I, I don't think Barca are going to make it and I think they're going to fall short in that in that uh, target. Yeah, their maximum is now 97 and it looks like being quite a dramatic off-season for the club. Today we heard news that they're going to close Barca TV and we know they're already moving to the uh, Olympic Stadium at Montjuic while Cam now is renovated, so... Plenty of uh, things to happen in the summer, not least the uh, all the transfer rumours about a certain Leo Messi. Moving on to Thursday night's action now, and what a game at Mestalla. We knew this was going to be important. We knew the atmosphere was going to be fantastic. Paco, Valencia won again. You'll be hoping that we're on the pod together every time now, because that's two in a week, <laughs> and Valencia have won both games. Yeah, it's the first time Valencia managed to, you know, link uh, two wins in a row. In the last, I believe, seven or eight months, you know, it's, it's a huge amount of time of, mm. of Valencia just disappointing, uh, disappointing their, their fan base. But, yeah, they managed to pick up the three points against Elche a few days ago. And uh, tonight, you know, the atmosphere was absolutely buzzing over at Mestalla because the fan base, 42,000 strong um, tonight in the ground, they really know what is in the line at this point. You know, the fans might be even more important for Valencia than most of its players. 
because uh, I, I have to say it, uh, maybe I'm putting it a bit bluntly, but there are some Valencia players who don't really have the level to play in, in such a club, in such a club as with the importance and the relevance of Valencia. And at the same time, whenever things go south and uh, any side is in a critical state or in dire straits, um, clubs as, as Valencia tend to look to their own youth academy system. And we've seen that plenty of times back in the uh, back in the past, you know. If you see um, Paco Ayestarán and Boro in the 2016 season and later uh, when Prandelli came around, uh, they pulled uh, Carlos Soler out of the sleeve. You know, mm. it was like their, their, their magic trick. And Carlos Soler became huge for Valencia. Back in 2013, same could be said about Juan Bernat, José Luis Gallá, Paco Alcácer, those players. You have to look to your academy when things are not going the way you want. And in this case, obviously, Valencia um, overcomplicated things at the beginning with Mukhtar de Akabi making a huge mistake at the back. And later, de Akabi was able to just compensate for that with that header, which was, in my view, a huge blooper by uh, Enrique Masip. Yeah. I don't know what, what he was thinking. He, I, I think the, the goalkeeper believed that um, Valladolid's goalkeeper thought that the ball was going outside. Just forgot where he, his post was. Yeah, he did miss the you know the spatial awareness about, around him and, and he tried to leave the ball to just go out of bounds and it went easily in straight into the back of the net. And with the you know the push of that goal and the momentum of that goal, Valencia really dominated the last half of the of the second half, the, the last 20-30 minutes. And yeah, Javi Guerra came in. Other midfielders had disappointed, but when the young player, 19 years old, he plays often as number 10 for, for the uh, B team, he came in and he made an immaculate run through the middle and the finish with the, uh, you know, the strike with the left foot. It was an absolute rocket of a goal. And you could, literally you could hear from my flat, <laughs> the sound coming from the stadium, yeah. which is a few kilometers away. But in these kinds of nights, uh, it's that kind of silence and buzz and suddenly the big explosion of, of cheerfulness, of happiness, of, of a liberation, I would say. And, and Valencia were able to uh, win a massive game, pull ahead of the relegation spots plus two points, which is also very important, and face with much more optimism the following game which is also crucial against mm -hmm. Cadiz this next weekend so Valencia are playing match ball after match ball and the last two have fortunately for them you know been won in I wouldn't say spectacular fashion with plenty of agony but in a necessary way indeed and that's the first defeat for Paolo Pezzolano at Real Valladolid they'd never lost this season when scoring first and Valencia had not won this season when conceding first so both of those yeah. results flipped on their heads and as you say first time Valencia got back-to-back -back wins in the league this season speaking of the relegation battle there was another huge one on Wednesday at the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez and another first Almeria won away from home yes you heard that right Almeria yeah. won away from home uh, and Ruby as well his first away win as a coach since his bettest days and this result was pretty significant because it means Hitafe are now dropped into the bottom three and the big news from Thursday, Kike Sanchez-Flores has been sacked, Paco. Yes, and I think it's quite unfair on, on Kike Sanchez-Flores because he has been able to keep Getafe afloat or at least one or two points above the relegation spots for most of the season. And uh, actually, this game isn't really something to, you know, 
to value Kikes's merits as a manager because it was obviously conditioned by Jenes red card, which is, in my view, very, very harsh, extremely harsh. I think that in such a game with two teams with everything on the line, fighting for their lives in the in the relegation scrap, as a referee, I don't think that uh, you know sending Jenne off in such a way was the way to go. In my view, it was a bit unfair, the way Getafe's... Uh, demise happened, but at the same time, you can't say that Almeria's win wasn't deserved with that brace by Luis Suarez. Um, and yeah, uh, taking advantage of playing with one man more. But later in the last 20 minutes, it was Getafe's game. You know, they had the chances, they, they had 21 shots, nine of them on target, more or less the same stats and numbers as, as Almeria, but playing for one half of the game with one one man down, which I think has plenty of merit. So, mm. yeah, after the defeat, Kike was sacked, which is something not really understandable because at the end of the day, Angel Torres, a, a guy which I surely and deeply respect because I think he's one of the best um, presidents in La Liga, I think he overreacted, you know, maybe because of all of those locker room issues and, you know, bad blood happening between some players and all of the... Uh, wear down that uh, we've seen in the last few months inside the the club but usually if you sack a manager that's because you have the replacement already in place you know already waiting for coming as quickly as possible but that didn't happen for for Getafe it was the rumor on the streets was that Jose Bordalas was very close to making a grand return in the in the last seven games but uh, my um, you know my sources say that he didn't really see the situation in such a way for him to risking so much yeah. in order to come and save the team. Because remember that Bordalas hasn't trained uh, any La Liga team this year. He has been on the sidelines for quite a while, you know, waiting for maybe Valencia even making a, just another phone call and uh, asking to come back. Also Getafe. But when you are this close for, to the beginning of uh, to the ending of the um, to the end of the competition. You don't really want to risk your prestige. Yeah. And that's why I believe that uh, Getafe's sports uh, director, Ruben Reyes, is going to uh, be in charge and be at the helm for the remaining seven games, which is, again, in my view, not the best course of action. But, you know, uh, Angel Torres uh, took a swift move, decided to sack Quique Sanchez Flores, and let's see if this play, which is very risky, as I said, uh, pays off or makes things even worse. Yeah, there's a lot to lose for all of these clubs. And um, yeah, that's the eighth club to sack a manager this season. Some of those, of course, multiple times. That's all we have time for in part one. But in part two, we've got plenty more coming your way, including Atleti's celebration of their anniversary and uh, some more matches with plenty on the line. Stay tuned. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ataca el Atlético Rubén. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 31 recap. We've had a fantastic packed midweek full of games, full of goals, full of action. We're here to discuss it all. Atletico Madrid celebrated their 120th anniversary in some style, coming from behind to beat Mallorca 3-1. It was a fantastic atmosphere at the Civitas Metropolitano. Atleti in their historic, traditional blue and white strip. They looked fantastic. Uh, Paco, another win for Atleti there. Right on the coattails of Real Madrid in second. Yes, and that's once again might be one of the biggest benefited sides of the of the midweek um, competition because I don't really think there's a more informed side right now in in La Liga. I would say Atletico Madrid and Sevilla can go toe to toe in that sense, but once again, Atletico's game was an absolute masterpiece. Especially in the second half, you know, in the first one, I think Mallorca surprised everyone with that uh, Nastasic opener. Nobody expected uh, Mallorca. They they tend to score when on the road, but not really are the first ones to do it because it's they are finding it tough to to win games away whenever they are on the road. But Atletico had to work quite a lot in order to to turn it around and. Uh, Rodrigo De Paul with the with the leveler just behind and before the the break and later Alvaro Morata with that great score uh, header uh, Carrasco scored the third one and generally they had the the game absolutely in control it was a, a, a an absolute pity because I think that Griezmann deserved to score he had a few chances um, an overall great great dominance by by Atletis Atletis men uh, Simeone wanted he really knows how to put a show, you know, how to put on a show whenever there's a significant date to be celebrated. And this one was the the big moment we see. Uh, we did see um, former legends. You know, I was very happy to see once again Mono Burgos mm. on top of the pitch where he has become, back in the day he did in El Calderon and also in Guada Metropolitano, he did become a staple of of what Atletico was and, and, and Colchoneros uh, were. But... Yeah, it was overall a great night for Atletico fans. And as you said, um, slowly but steadily, watching their their streak of results and their last defeat, if you leave aside that Barca game, was against 
Real Madrid in Copa del Rey, mm. which happened in January. Yeah. So if you take everything into into consideration, we're talking about the best team of the second half of the league, hands down. And if they finish second, it would definitely be deserved because they have been slowly building up from the ground. From the ground up once again, which is Simeone's trademark, I would say. You know, remember at the beginning of the season, you might remember all the criticism going mm. his way. You know, the Champions League games, you know, not really impressing in La Liga. Uh, things Questions were, about his future. Yeah, if he's going to continue the following season, what is going to happen next summer. Nobody questions today Cholo Simeone for a good reason, you know, because I think he has once again with the jigsaw finished and every single piece in place, he managed to unsolve it and put it together once again, rearranging the pieces and with the same end result. Uh, in this case, without Joao Felix as the you know disruptive reason over there, and basing most of it once again in Jan Oblak at the back, strong defense, and Antoine Griezmann doing his thing. So, uh, big, big merit for him. I, I would say that he deserves high praise once again, and that Atletico fans have many reasons to be happy with him. Yeah, Antoine Griezmann, the most important piece for sure. He's reached double digits in goals and assists in La Liga this season. Yeah. Here's a quick question for you, Packer, very quickly. Can Atleti win the league next season? They need, I think they need to reinforce uh, the midfield. I think that, they, and also maybe the, the central defending spot, because the rest of the squad, in my view, remains very, very impressive. They would be definitely a contender in my book if they are able to reinforce those two pieces, both the midfield and uh, the central defending. And speaking about the midfield and that place, uh, the latest uh, you know word in the streets is that Atletico are following Kangi's Kangin Lee's footsteps, and I think that's a great move for them. Coming a bit over the left field because because he doesn't really have that defensive spirit which Simeone wants. But Kangin Lee has grown a lot under El Vasco Aguirre in the last two seasons, yeah. and he has become a much more rounded up player, you know, much more complete in many other areas. He was excellent with the ball. He was excellent with his passing ability also when finishing, but he has learned to put in the work. I think it would be a huge signing for them, massive. Mm -hmm. And their expense isn't going to be as high as many people think. Yeah, there were reported meetings after the Mallorca game at Atleti on Wednesday. Speaking of uh, teams that have a pretty good squad on paper, Villarreal, they came from behind to beat Espanyol 4-2. Um, another win for them as they get back from two defeats. They now leapfrog Betis in the race for Europe. And Espanyol, really problems for them right now. They're four points from safety, still no win mm. under Luis Garcia. Conceding so many goals, only Elche have conceded more in the league. It's looking pretty worrying for them, isn't it? Yeah, I think that the you know replacement uh, in the dugout hasn't worked for... Espanol and I, uh, I do have serious doubts that it's going to work because of, you know, the lack of experience. It's more or less the same case as in Valencia, but Valencia do have Mestalla as their, you know, as their place where they can find their footing and they have that kind of fortress when 
they can become mighty thanks to the pressure of the fans. But uh, Espanyol don't really have that. You know, they they are very similar whenever they play at home and away from home. And in this case, we have to commend, you know, their effort in the first half because they, for, for many minutes it seemed that they could actually pick up something positive of, of this game. Uh, they fought tooth and nail during the first half to, you know, keep the game as tight as possible. Javi Puado scored the, the opener, but, you know, they were just crumbled to the ground in the second half with that Etienne Capu brace, Dani Parejo who scored a crucial goal also, Nico Jackson scoring once again. So, yeah, uh, and the late um, red for Edu Esposito isn't going to make them any favors in the, fall in the coming game. So, actually, the, the numbers of the game... 31 shots overall for Villarreal, 13 of them going on target, four goals. It speaks volumes about just how weak Espanyol's defense is. And if you are just unable to keep a clean sheet here and there, you are doomed to, to relegation. Unfortunately for Pericos fans, I have many friends over there. Some of them might be listening to this right now, but I think that the, the, the swap in the bench and bringing in Luis Garcia wasn't really the wisest move and and I think ultimately Espanyol will pay. And as for Villarreal, they found themselves in a tight spot and they were able to, you know, get out of there and suddenly taking advantage of Real Sociedad and Betis just playing, I would say, the, the weak punches game because it was a very, very boring game between Betis and Real Sociedad. Villarreal suddenly has sneaked behind, uh, has snuck behind them and... Uh, it's only five points away from Real Sociedad, Champions League spots, and it's already over Betis. Uh, Villarreal sit sitting fifth, one point over Betis, who are sixth. And uh, if you spoke to Villarreal fans at the beginning of the season, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't believe that you were joking with them because that they were uh, very, very far behind. Uh, and I think that the second half of the league for Villarreal has been pretty impressive, and and that they. 100% deserve the the current success they are enjoying. Mm. Yeah, it's um, a talented squad that does deserve to be pushing up the table. Uh, we are fast running out of time, Packer, but I'll just read a, a few more results here and, and some talking points, and then we'll have some, some closing thoughts. Uh, Osasuna got another fantastic win away at Cadiz. Uh, they were much changed, but they got another win in that race for seventh. And of course, they're looking ahead to the Copa del Rey final in just over a week's time. Uh, Ezab, they was sent off in this one, so that's the only kind of yeah. uh, spot for them. <laughs> No chance to speak uh, well about him. No, we praised him on uh, the weekend and then yeah, he goes and gets I, I might think that maybe Arrasate is happy for Abde to miss one game or two in order to rest him a bit. But yeah, it's true that he was being the more electric, uh, you know, the more dynamic player for, for the team in the, in the last few games. And uh, yeah, it showed Cadiz's... Uh, Incapacity to score, you know, inability to 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 make a dent on a very tight knit defense as Sosasunas, and it's it's quite a pity because I think Cadiz, for most of the time, they have been, you know, walking the tightrope of being a relegation zone contender or being clear of danger. They have been in that zone for most of the season, and they actually thrive whenever, uh, you know, finding themselves in tight spots, but. 
this this loss was quite a big blow for them because they really need to secure the points whenever playing at Nuevo Mirandilla. If they are unable to do that whenever going on the road, things are not going to look better for them. So yes. this uh, Ruben Garcia's strike in the second half uh, just sent uh, Cadiz straight into the mat. And uh, yeah, with a very efficient game under the belt, uh, Osasuna mm, got three more points. And actually, they are only five away from Betis. Osasuna have two shots off at becoming Euro Osasuna. Uh, on, the, on one hand, you know, winning that Copa del Rey final against Real Madrid. And on the other hand, uh, becoming Sith, which is only five points away, which are two games with seven remaining. So it seemed that their season was over once avoiding the drop and just ending mid-table. But they have many things to fight for in the remaining games. Indeed, they do. Uh, Celta beat Elche 1-0 and that uh, there was a late goal from Joseph Idu that prevents Becca Cheche from getting his first point. Elche will be relegated if they lose on Saturday against yeah. Rayo. And uh, lastly to mention, Athletic nil Sevilla 1, a late Lucas Acampos penalty, which you don't agree with. Um, it, no, it extends it, Mendy's fantastic run. Yeah, it wasn't, in my view, it wasn't a, a pen. I think it was Inigo Martinez who slipped at the back, but he did actually, in his in his slide tackle, he touched the ball. In my view, it was a perfectly legal play, but, you know, the referee decided it was going to be a penalty, and once again, Ocampos uh, magnificently scored and took it and, and got the 1-0. And, yeah, I think that the Mendy Libers' run is spectacular, you know. Seven games, two draws, five wins, suddenly Sevilla becoming a mid-table side when they were one month ago uh, in the relegation zone. Mm. I think it's one of the best stories of the season. And if Sevilla are smart, they should extend Mendelevers' contract be before this, this weekend. I, I think that he has proven that he can do wonders with this squad. Great, great work by Mendelevers. Very, very impressive. Indeed. Final question then, Paco. It's not the game I thought we'd be talking about last on the show, but Betis nil, Lariel nil. You've mentioned already ah. it was quite soporific, but little question yeah. then, is the Champions League dream over for Betis? Obviously not, because it's only six points away uh, from Real Sociedad, but, you know, Real Sociedad and Betis, in, in, in Real's case, they were just happy to keep Betis at bay and pick up a point on the road, but ultimately Betis had one shot on target in 90 minutes. Not enough. Definitely not enough. I can't believe that Pellegrini was happy about the display of his team. Whereas for uh, um, Imanol Alguacil, obviously he is happy to win at home, pick up points on the road. That's like the, the English average that we <laughs> said back in the day. And, uh, you know, slowly but steadily, 55 points on the road to becoming the fourth... Uh, team this season to to qualify for the Champions League but they will need to improve because I wasn't really impressed with Real Sociedad I think that both sides were more tired and at the same time if you add the fact that they weren't at the top of their game stamina wise and also very worried about not conceding to the opposition that's why we had such a boring game in El Benito Villamarín. So the state of play at the bottom, Real Valladolid on 35 points, then Almeria and Valencia on 33 apiece. Then it's Cadiz who have dropped to 17th. They have 32 points. That's one clear of Getafe in that relegation zone now on 31. Espanyol are three points further back on 28. 
and of course Elche right down there on 13. Upcoming fixtures for match day 32. Friday night we are back in Pamplona for Osasuna against Real Sociedad. A really tasty looking Basque-ish derby. On Saturday we have Elche against Rayo. As we say Elche will be down if they lose that game. Real Madrid taking on Almeria where Ruby will see if he can win another game on the road at no less than the Santiago Bernabeu. And then Saturday night a huge game. Barca against Betis. Pressure on Barca to get back to winning ways. Betis too know they need a result to stay in the European race. And then on to Sunday, we have a huge couple of games here. Cadiz Valencia, massive game at Nuevo Mirandia. Villarreal against Delta. And then Espanyol against Managerless Getafe. What a game that should uh, prove to be. And finally on Sunday, Real Valladolid against Atleti. And then we have two games on Monday. Mallorca against Athletic Club and uh, Sevilla against Girona. So Paco, get some rest. Thank you very much for your company tonight. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure as ever. Um, and yeah, subscribe to our Substack, llonline.substack.com. Follow us at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter for coverage of the weekend's action, where things just keep hotting up in La Liga. But from all of us here, we'll speak to you again soon. Adios. El niño ha hecho el gol. Javi Guerra se llama. Mamma mía, Mestalla. 48 de la segunda parte. Mestalla se cae. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.